You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through chapter 6, verse 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then... His reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. How loving are you? How joyful are you? How much peace do you have and how much do you sow into the lives of others? Are you patient? And how about the kindness that you show? the goodness that you act out? How faithful are you in your walk? Are you gentle in your treatment of others? Do you show self-control? These are all questions. And to be more specific, they are all the wrong questions. (laughs) They're reasonable questions that you would probably be asking after reading off the list of this fruit of the Spirit. How can I measure what is happening here? How can I begin to put a number to gauge on how much security I have as a Christian? Remember, this is what the false teachers wanted to do. They wanted to put physical markers on growth. Are you mature enough to follow the law? Are you now mature enough to get circumcised for Christ? You know, if you ever see a church or a ministry called Circumcised for Jesus, run. They are trying to boast in the flesh, as Paul said earlier in the letter. How about one more question, though? Is there any law that could make us act out all of these spiritual gifts? No. Paul answers that at the end of chapter 5, verse 23. There is no law that can get you to do such things. Against such things, there is no law. Last week, we heard from the text uh, about living and walking. These are words that Paul uses to describe life in the Spirit. So starting with verse 25, we need to see how this fruit of the Spirit is grown in us, how we are to live with that good fruit, or said better, to keep in step with the Spirit. And first things first, Don't become stuck up, poking at one another, or wishing that you had the fruit of someone else. 
And also, do not let these things get in the way of helping one another. The false teachers here in Galatia were producing something like wax or plastic fruit that someone might use to decorate their house. It looked real enough from the outside, but then as you get a little bit closer, maybe take a bite, you realize you've made an awful mistake. <laughs> the legalists, the, the Judaizers, the false teachers were causing everyone to not only doubt Jesus, but also to become conceited, to provoke one another and cause envy amongst one another. If someone is caught in sin or in ignorance to their sin, don't throw the law at them like it's something that they could live up to. No, if someone is caught up in sin and cannot find their way out of it, or has not yet learned the sinful nature of what they are doing, you should restore them. What does that mean? Restore here means to bring someone back to the place of wholeness. It means to be binding up someone's wounds, and maybe the wounds that they've caused to others in their sin. It, it means preaching the law and then the gospel to them and letting the Holy Spirit do the work of conviction and uh, confession and pardoning them and giving them assurance in Christ. It, it means letting the Holy Spirit repent them and bring them back. It means loving someone. See, you have heard it said, love the sinner, hate the sin. But I say to you, Love the sinner and hate your own sin. Okay, actually I stole that second part from someone else, but it's a really good summary of Paul's argument here. Ah, but you say, wait a second, Wade. You, you skip some of the text there. Who's this spiritual person? That is the person who's meant to be doing this work. Does that mean the pastor or maybe some other very mature Christian? Must the person... Have some great spiritualness. How do we measure it? Well, you do not measure it. And the spiritualness should be obvious because anytime the word spiritual gets brought up, we're not talking about some kind of super holy person. That's who the false teachers claim to be. And we're not talking about a prophet on a bumper sticker or a guru. We are talking about the Holy Spirit. A spiritual person has the Holy Spirit. That's it. You, Christian, have the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit is working in you this very moment through the read and preached Word of God. The Holy Spirit is working in you. You do not feel it. You will probably not walk away particularly different, but it is happening. And we know this because this is what God promises after you are gifted faith and receive Christ and all of his blessings as your own because of it. So when someone is sinning, you, spiritual person, another Christian, take that person and shepherd them to Jesus. Restore them with gentleness. And while you do this, keep an eye on yourself so that you are not tempted to sin. So wait, only help as much as I am able? <laughs> no, help all of the way, but don't be dragged down into their sin. Instead of being dragged down, Paul uses a phrase that we have studied together many times. Bear one another's burdens. 
Literally, it means take the heavy load of sin, guilt, and shame that this person is carrying and place it on your shoulders. Show them what it is like to not be carrying the weight of sin. They weren't made to do it, and in fact, by carrying it for them, you remind them that Jesus has already done this labor for them on the cross. And what if they don't want to give up the heavy load? Well, the beauty of this bearing one another is that it can also mean picking up the person with their load. Carry their weight and throw them at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> That's Wade's translation. When you do this, Paul says you are fulfilling the law of Christ. What? I knew it, Pastor. The whole time you've been trying to tell us that the law is finished, but you did it. You finally showed your cards. There is a new law, the law of Christ. Slow down. Here, understand law as a standard. You want to know what it means to be more like Jesus? Well, here you go. Carry the sins of others. Now, you're not going to be carrying them in a way that saves someone. Don't worry, that's not your responsibility. That weight, that burden, is not for you. You, though, have already been remade into the likeness of Jesus when you were joined to him by faith. Case closed. What we're talking about here is showing care and love for a brother or sister in Christ or someone that is soon to be a brother or sister in Christ, by reminding them of what Jesus has already done to save them. Martin Luther, an old dead pastor, preacher, one of my favorites, would say that to not take on the burdens of other Christians would be wasting your justification or wasting your righteousness. See, your sin and your self-righteousness have been removed from you. And because of Christ, no unrighteousness that the world has to offer can mess up the way that God the Father views you. From his perspective, you are wearing the righteous robes of his glorious Son. Now, COVID-19 and its vaccines are a bad example here, so let's push those out of our brain. Let's use an older sickness that still haunts us as an example. Tuberculosis. It would be like you were the only person to have an inoculation or the vaccination for TB. And yet, you refuse to care for people dying of TB out of fear of the sickness. Don't you get it? It can no longer kill you. You have to be the one who cares because you are safe. You need to comfort the dying because no one else can. You have to be the one to step in and bear the weight of sadness and mourning that comes with the pain of death. You who know Christ as your Savior are safe and saved and do have the responsibility to our fellow Christians and our unsaved neighbors to bear their weight and to not be afraid to get down into the muck and the mire of their sin with them so that you can carry them out of it. Don't waste the righteousness that has been gifted to you. Their sin is not going to get on you and stain you up. 
And this is where the fruit of the Spirit comes in. It is not something that you have, use, and experience all by your lonesome. This fruit only grows in hardship, like coal being recreated by pressure into a diamond. See, Jesus is not impressed by, nor does he need to know, how much of this fruit you have on a scale of 1 to 10 before he saves you. What's that? You were a loving person before Jesus? Good work. Now your lovingness is going to be made perfect by the work of Christ. And not only that, your love is going to be put under pressure and something new is going to grow. And that new growth is the spiritual fruit, a work not of yours, but of the Spirit in you. And love starts that list of gifts from the Spirit because it shapes, it tempers, and it guides the rest of those those parts of the fruit. And each of these words in the list should be understood in the midst of struggle, like bearing one another's burdens and restoring one another. The love that we are talking about is not something that naturally flows from you on a good day. Though it could be that. What we are talking about is supernatural love that you cannot push out of your heart. I was speaking to a friend recently who tolerated a certain person in their life. They put up with the other person and smiled most of the time while they did it. But they far from loved this person. After seeing them all the time and even knowing that their heart was sinful in this way, they still could not work up the love for this actually brother and brother and sister in Christ. Then, here's what happened. Lockdown after lockdown due to COVID-19 and after having separation from this person, they realized that this person was a necessary part of their growth in life and was a good and necessary person in the lives of those around them. And God the Holy Spirit repented, my friend, and caused them to love this person. That is a fruit grown in my friend due to hardship and pressure. It may not have happened otherwise, and without the forced separation and distance, my friend may have never even noticed the sin and then the change. That is a blessing and a gift from God. It is not something that happens by chance or with time. That is a good fruit that only God could grow in us. And continuing with this fruit, consider each in the context of struggle. Joy here is not simply the feeling you have when you eat an ice cream on a hot day. It is a state of mind and a contentment when you know something good is yours to possess or have. So for Christians, this means being joyful over the many good gifts that God gives, but more specifically, It is the correct understanding that God is providing for you and promises a future with him forever so that in the midst of trial and hardship, you can still have joy. It's not a passing feeling, but it's your permanent state of being. Jesus told us that peacemakers are blessed, but because you are in Christ, God the Holy Spirit is working to give you peace, make you a peacemaker, and invite 
others into the peace of Jesus' salvation, even if the world is at war around us. And we do not want to oversimplify patience. This is a spirit work. Older Bible translations use a better word, uh, long-suffering. Patience is having the ability to suffer the distance, <laughs> through the struggle, in the midst of hardship. And it's, it's endurance during difficult circumstances. Patience here is not just waiting on something and hoping that you don't get angry while you wait. It is actively getting through things and helping others through difficult circumstances. It is fortitude and not quickly seeking vengeance for wrongs done against you. And if that isn't a Holy Spirit work, then I don't know what is. Kindness carries the idea of dealing well with others in a consistent way and acting with integrity. Goodness deals with your motives um, that you have in any given circumstance. And faithfulness is not dealing with your faithfulness to God, although that would be expected. When we see this word faithfulness here, we should be hearing something along the lines of keeping your word with others, doing what you say you will do, and other people thinking that it is a good idea to rely on you. Gentleness is related to your actions towards others and remaining humble while you do it. And self-control means that you are owning and exerting authority over your desires. Now, by all means, consider these things to be virtues or good habits. If you work towards each of these things, you will be a better human, and that is good. If you do not work towards these things, you will be fighting against what the Holy Spirit is working out in you. Which is also why we cannot measure our Christianness or the Christianness of others with these things. Because as soon as we do, and we also begin to think that we can make our own growth in these areas, then we are stealing our justification back from Jesus and saying, No, now I can do it myself, and I can make myself right and righteous. And then we fall off the horse in the other direction, becoming like one of those false teachers and looking for ways to measure our success outside of Jesus. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 3, Paul says, Look, if you think that you have your own righteousness that you're bringing to the faith, if you think that you have a great foundation and now you're just going to keep on building on that foundation with the blessing of God, then you have believed a lie about yourself and it is a deadly one. You will be nothing. The only way you have any righteousness is through Jesus' life death, and resurrection for you. And that is the only reason why you are something. <laughs> or even worse, we could start using our neighbors to measure where we're at. And then also hoping that others will measure us by what we have done for our neighbors. And this is where Paul takes us next, and for the rest of our passage today, in verses 4 and 5. Look, this is what Mormons do. This is what Jehovah's Witnesses do. This is what many people who call themselves Christians or think of themselves as Christians do. They work to gain righteousness by selfishly serving their neighbor. 
If they can help you and change you even just a little bit, then they have used you for their own standing before God and their community. You are a tool for their growth and maturation and eventually their salvation. This is also what the false teachers were doing. And Paul says, instead of that, don't measure yourself off of your neighbor or use your neighbor, but look at what that would mean for you if your neighbor was your tool to get righteousness. That means that no matter what, you will constantly be having to find something in yourself to boast about. It means that you will always have to carry all of your own weight and there will never be a brother or a sister in Christ who can come alongside of you and help you with your load because you will always be trying to carry all of the load by yourself. You will be trying to save yourself by works of the law. And well, we all know that by works of the law will no one be saved. And so here's our big idea for today. Because of Jesus, you will be grown and shaped during the trials and hardships of yourself and others. You are gifted the fruit of the Spirit. The, the Spirit works in you so that your brothers and sisters in Christ do not have to bear their burdens on their own. You are going to need that fruit because Jesus has saved you from your selfishness and the road ahead of coming alongside fellow church members, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and bearing them on your shoulders, or or a group of you carrying someone on a stretcher is going to be hard work. You were not made to save yourselves. You have been set free from that. You are being grown and built up for the sake of others. You have no righteousness of your own, and that is a good thing because it would never save you. You are only righteous because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for you. And that's good news because that righteousness cannot be taken away from you. That righteousness cannot be made dirty. It is only because of his death for you that you have been made alive. And it is only because of his constant standing in your place and on your behalf that you are safe and saved. And God is growing a good fruit in you for the sake of others so that you can experience that new life more fully and more richly. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.